As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Eddie Jones promised total brutality, and that's exactly what he got on the opening weekend of the Six Nations. Unfortunately, it was the French who gave out the beating. Ireland did enough against the stuttering Scots, while Wales whipped Italy in Cardiff. But what have we learned about the main contenders across the first round of matches? This is The Ruck. I'm Lawrence Delalio, and joining me, fresh off an early morning Eurostar from Paris, is The Times chief rugby correspondent, Owen Slot. Owen, good morning. Well done for making it back. So bright and breezy from Paris. Well, in, in this post-Brexit world, they've certainly slowed up the uh, the t- time it takes to get through passport control yeah. security. Yeah, I, I'd have thought you're that not even allowed to back out on your way through Absolutely. anymore. Absolutely, their, def- their defence is rock solid, but their their exit routes are, uh, yeah, are horrendous. And they laugh at, laugh at you as you leave for, for, for more reasons than one. Now, well, listen, let's get straight into the into the meat of it. <laughs> hey, Absolutely stunning first half performance, particularly 17-0, wasn't it? Saw France beat England in Paris. I was there. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to go to the Stade de France again as a fan because I've been twice now to watch to watch uh, England play as a punter. And both of them, uh, England, have been uh, roundly beaten. My first experience was uh, a long, long time ago. And I was sat next to Johnny Wilkinson's father <laughs> as Serge Betson was eating Johnny Wilkinson for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Uh, and it was very uncomfortable viewing for both of us. And then I went again yesterday. And I have to say, um, there was a, a feeling uh, all week and a feeling uh, certainly in the build-up to the game and the atmosphere itself that suggested that uh, France were, were going to win that. And I know our, li- our listeners will say, well, that's hindsight, Mr Delalio. But the fact is that when you've worked with Sean Edwards for a long, long time, you certainly know what's coming. Um, and... Uh, I- I was thinking it's going to have to take a, um, a hell of an England performance um, to, uh, you know, to overcome that. And the, and the other concern I had in my mind was the was the selections, and we'll talk about those in a second. And also the the whole Saracens, you know, story which has been going on and on, and everyone's sort of politely put it to the back of their minds. But well, but that, that's because sure we're delighted can... to talk about something else for a, I know, but just I for a half an hour. But isn't I think it? as a player, I mean, it, it, it has obviously affected a number of that, of that group, no doubt about it. But if you, uh, if you get automatically relegated, does that mean you start dropping more passes than you ever have in your life? <laughs> I mean... No, I mean, listen, it's, <laughs> no, but... Uh, I, I well, don't... you say no, but, but no, but Owen Farrell played his worst half of international rugby ever, yeah. question mark? I mean, I can't database through uh, through the previous 70-odd, but... Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, we, we, we're, we're all too quick to... Uh, 
to praise England possibly a little bit too much when they get to a World Cup final and produce stunning performances like they did in Japan. Um, <clears> and don't want to sort of dive in and, and, and be too critical when, when, when they lose a, a game. But... Uh, you know, I'm slightly angered by a number of things. One, the selection, because, listen, I'm going to put it out on record. Eddie Jones is a, is a world-class coach. He's an exceptional, exceptionally good rugby coach with an enormous amount of experience. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only England fan who's asking the question, was George Furbank ready to play international rugby, particularly away, making debut in, in Paris? Secondly... Well, no, what- hang on a second. Secondly, Lawrence, was there not a, a just a gem of excitement in that game for you in that you were sitting there thinking I could make a comeback <laughs> England 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 need a number eight they, they didn't have a number eight yesterday they had a number seven play number eight and uh, you know I mean I raised last good. week we know you went no two weeks ago you, you were doing fitness I mean yeah. I don't know if the two are related <laughs> there's absolutely no way I was barely fit enough to get through uh customs but uh well anyway that's another so- I mean, e- England are going to announce an update to their squad later right. this afternoon and, well, and uh, if your name's on it then well listen I mean if, if the name Sam Simmons or, or Don Brandt are not on it then there's something very very wrong I just I just felt uh, and I feel and I was quite emotional about it last week that it was the wrong selection completely you know you've got a world-class open side in Tom Curry who um uh, you know played exceptionally well during the World Cup uh, leave him uh, uh, open side. Uh, he's not played a single game for Sale Sharks or for England at number eight. And I can tell you, having played six, seven and eight in the England back row at various times in my very uh, fortunate 85 caps, you know, number eight is a hard position to play. And more importantly for Tom Curry, his, his ability to affect the outcome of that game was very, very limited. I think he got one turnover at the breakdown and he just looked uncomfortable. He even, he even missed a couple of tackles, which is most unlike him. And the reason is he found himself in positions that he wouldn't normally find himself week in, week out. And I can't understand how a guy who's so good, like Eddie Jones, who's got so much knowledge of the game, can just think that you can do that. You can move a guy from seven and play him at number eight. The thing is, Lawrence, if it's not going to be you, yeah. then, then who is it going to be? And I, and I think Eddie's already told us the answer is it's going to be Tom Curry. He's, he, he said it after the game, he's new to the position, so it's not surprising that, that he wasn't perfect or, or, or that he made errors. He said, he said this, is, this is a project that I believe will work, and so you have to go through the hard times to get the good times. Okay. So I'd rather you, a grand slam and pick Don Brandt or Simmons, thanks very much. But Okay, so, no, no, so I, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying, what's your solution now? Do you bring in... A Dom, so it's it's now Monday. They've got today off recovery, so they start Tuesday. Do you bring in a Don Brandt or a Simmons and say, "Right, boys, you're one of you, Don Brandt, you're in. You're playing on Saturday. You're going to make your international debut at Murrayfield, and you've got one and a half training well, sessions to get the, up to the, speed." The answer is yes, you do. But that, you think that, you do do that, that? That's that's me personally because I don't believe in the project of making Tom Curry a number eight. Well, I don't but, believe but, in it either. But Eddie, but but Eddie I'm Jones not sure clearly does. Be- so, I'm not sure there's a better solution. Uh, but the date, you know, what we're discussing here is not what I do. It's what Eddie, what Eddie Jones is going to do, or vice versa. So yeah, and then you get to, and then you get to the Eddieism of uh, I played my hand here, and I'm pretty averse to changing it. We yeah. know that once Eddie's made a decision, he does not, he, especially when people tell him he's wrong, he does not like to admit he's well, wrong. Well, listen. So, the, so two things out there. No disrespect to George Furbank, who's a wonderful and gifted rugby player who I'm sure will go on and have a very successful England career. And has one of the best upper lips in, in yeah, debutant <laughs> full-back rugby. His, his facial hair is very impressive. But 
that side, he, he was not ready to play that game. And um, in my opinion, and that's not just because he made, you know, it, I, I saw the game he played for Northampton against Cast, and he has played so many better times away in France, you know, for Northampton this season. And that game said, you know, I think Simon Amor was sent by Eddie Jones to go and watch the game. And they deemed off the back of a very shaky performance in mm. Leon that he was ready to play international rugby away from home. And I, I hope it's not a, a Matthew Tate kind of moment. That, you know. I know. It's, it's such a... That Matthew Tate thing is, you know, are you the <clears throat> next Matthew Tate? I mean, that's just the, well, no, but the it, curse. But, it, but, it, but France, who played their debut fullback at home in, a, in an environment where he knew that he was going to be that great atmosphere, that great... You know, that, that sort of... Um, he had the support of his crowd. Surely, if you're going to make a debut, um, you do it. At home at Twickenham, I don't know. So, so, but but again, you get to the to the sort of already one one game in, damned if you do, damned if yeah. you don't. So, Anthony Watson, if he's we're told he'd probably be fit this weekend, so you're already dropping George Furbank. So you're already eroding his confidence. You're already saying you've been in one game. I mean, that you, may you have got, happened. You've got a four out of ten in the times, which is yeah. the thing that bother him most. And then, what would you wait? Uh, well, I think that would have season, happened. Or? That would have happened anyway because the the, the, the Furbank selection, you know, Eddie Jones will say, was forced on him through through injuries. But it wasn't. He could have left Elliot Daly at fullback and, and brought someone else in on the wing, or you know, there, there were a number of options. Jeez, Lawrence I, Elliot's getting exposed on the wing as well now, isn't he? Well, I mean, look, France were good, and we and we can't, you know, we 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 cannot deny that. We knew that they were going to be good because, you know, there, there was that feeling that they'd just gone for it with their with their team, and it was all or nothing for them. I mean, it's taken them eight years to become, you know, to, to produce a performance like that. Um, and French fans have been waiting a long, long time. But did yeah. you not feel that France were, though France were good as you say they were, they they still left a had a lot le- um, left to play. They didn't. Some of their big guns didn't fire. Vakatawa, yeah. who, who who we we spoken about on this pod in recent weeks arguably the best, most dangerous player in, in Europe. I mean, he, he didn't really get into no, the game. No, he didn't have to. Teddy ha- Tomai didn't yeah, get much they, they didn't have to, but... Um, <laughs> no, no, they didn't have to, but... Yeah, but but the other thing, I mean, it, you know, this game was always going to be about the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And now, I know everyone says, well, that's obvious, isn't it? But I'm a, I've always been a big believer, particularly away from home, that the emotional levels need to be really good. And I mentioned it in, in, in the piece that I did in the Sunday Times. England's best performances under Eddie Jones and best performances of 2019 have been when they come out the blocks fast and they yeah. and they get out in front and they stay out in front. This England team, and it's, it is a sort of criticism, but it's also part of their learning, part of the project that Eddie Jones talks about. If you want to become the greatest side to play the best rugby, most brutal rugby ever in the world, mm-hmm. you've got to learn how to overcome a, a team that poses you different challenges because there will be moments when you don't come out the blocks that fast and you have to adapt. And, and this England team... Haven't really worked out how to do that. It was so obvious that France was shutting that twelve thirteen channel very, very hard and early, flying up off the line, getting away with it because no referee or, or assistant referee rarely gives offside at mm. the moment. And it was classic Wales uh, wasp defence, blitz defence, pull everything back inside to the big men, and we can smash England apart. And it didn't take until the second Johnny May try that we actually got the ball out the back and worked out actually if we can beat that blitz defence. How much better we can be. And well, when jo- Johnny made his second try, as you say, was the first time they actually got around the defence. I didn't try to go through them, yeah. but it, but so Manu comes off after fifteen minutes. They they don't have a, a, a big ball carrier. So, I mean, that's just a fact. It's not not their fault particularly. So so, so how painful to watch Jonathan Joseph um, trucking the ball up. Yeah. Even Owen tried trucking the trucking the ball up. I mean, 
they 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 are ball players. Well, I mean, I know they, we missed we missed obviously the power of the of the of Mako and Billy Vonapola, yeah, and, and, which then even you know stares the spotlight even more on your back row selection. And in terms of adding more ball carrying, it, it, it tells you more row. and more that you've got to find another way because because the way they were playing was just wasn't. Well, the way work. the way would have, would have been to switch Ford and Farrell and put Farrell to ten and put Ford to twelve if you need to get the ball wide because he's the better distributor, isn't he? And I just think that there there, there was there's ways that you need to think out on the pitch and and. Uh, and what what concerns me more is that look, well, we were so good against New Zealand because the emotional levels were there. We just came out and blitzed them off the field. Um, clearly, whoever was in charge of emotional levels hadn't read all of that stuff that Eddie Jones had come out with, uh, you know, in the press. Because you know, when someone's writing that about about you and saying to the French, basically, you're not you're not tough enough. You would never have played in this level of brutality yeah. and physicality. I mean, that's disrespecting them. It's disrespecting um, Sean Edwards, and they and he got what he deserves. But if you're a player, you'd have marched into Eddie's room and said, um, "Someone put something in your tea, or, or are you okay?" Because, you know, it's all right for you, Eddie. You can come out and say that. I'm the one who's actually got to go out there and play. Yesterday's game is a classic example where you need a captain up front. Because, oh, you know, and I, I know it's... I mean, you I know, see, I, again, I know, if you I made know, your comeback, I, Lawrence, you, you captain the game. No, that, that's never happening. So we need, we need a new number... England need a number... So we... So let's get this right. England need a new number eight. Okay, we're agreed. And their captain... England need a number eight. They, they need a, a number eight. Yeah. And, and, and their captain... Pre- preferably someone who's played... A little bit of club and international rugby there already. And the captain is, is, is a serial case of, of not being up to the job when the chips are down and the game's going against no, him. No, 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 he's, he's perfectly up to the job, but he just, he's got, he's, the job is to play fly-half, not to be captain and play fly-half. Well, yeah, so you agree. He, so, he's, uh, that's my point. I'm, I'm just saying his job is to be the leader of the team, the, the, the guy. He's got everything he needs to play international rugby, and he's an outstandingly world-class yeah. player. What he doesn't need is the added burden of, of responsibility of being captain because when things aren't going, when, 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 he's, when his team aren't performing to the levels that he sets himself, yeah. he finds it very difficult to change that. I don't know. I, I got my prediction wrong before the France game because I didn't think England were going to be good enough. Mm, we did see your tweet. Yeah, yeah no, it's, I've been reminded of that on Twitter a few times. Uh, but I've, I've, I have been a supporter, backer of Farrell as captain for a while because... I just because of the way the players talk about him, how, how they follow him, and how they how he's their their inspiration. But he, but he can be, but he can be that person without being the captain. Well, that, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is I, I think I've seen enough of this now to to agree that that part of the responsibility needs to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, let him let him play his game, and as you say, be the on field leader, be the be the inspiration. But yeah. when the team are looking for someone to apply their mind to why it's going wrong and how we change, he's obviously got to be in that conversation. But but when when he's the person who's supposed to a think his way through it and b b deliver it from ten or twelve, that just there just seems too much of an overload. Yeah. And and he seemed to retreat in the game in that in that first half. He he sort of seemed to go backwards. It, I, I thought George Ford was running the game yeah. far more than Owen was. Let's look at it the other way around then, Owen. How does what happened? Well, you know, let's forget about the fact that um, we won or lost. Um, well, we, we lost, and how does it affect? The selection now for for Scotland. I'm 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 saying in the back row that yes, they are going to make a change. But let's just imagine that he won't, Eddie, uh, and he's going to go with with a similar back row. You know, the, the the Furbank selection is is key. You know, if Anthony Watson's fit, does he come back in straight away, regardless of of the of the performance? The centre is where he's got to make decisions because his best World Cup combination was managed to lag in Henry Slade, whether depending on whether Ford or Farrell was at ten. But those, those were his two best centres. He hasn't got either of them now. 
So does that mean he almost has to sit with Ford and Farrell? Well, I would hate him to drop Ford now anyway. Mm. So if you have Ford at 10 and Farrell at 12, so who is your 13? Jonathan Joseph is pretty much the only qualified 13 at the moment. Yeah. So you're playing a game without the power or the physical brutality that he was been talking about. So do I see a better option than playing Ford, Farrell, Joseph? Not really, but they just got to they just got to find a, a a more intelligent way of playing with the ball. Well, I say that you you know you look at your opponent, and I'm sure Eddie Jones will, will obviously do this. He'll look at Scotland, look at where they you know where he thinks their main threats are coming from, and but also you know not necessarily you, you've got to play to the team that you can pick. You know mm. you, you can't just say this is the England way. You know it's brutal, physical, and and then if you haven't got the uh, you know the pillars to to make it brutal and physical. Two of which are called Vunapola. You know, you've got to you've got to be a bit more crafty and a bit more. Uh, you know, and that's where I, th- I got a little bit frustrated with the performance because the language is one thing, but if you haven't got the weapons to deliver the uh, you know the, the language, then you've got to change. I just don't think he's going to do anything about the back row. I think he'll have Mako in at um, loose head. Yeah. Uh, other than that, would he change? Charlie Yules, I mean, that would be, that'd well, be, that'd be Laws, harsh as well, wouldn't it? Laws was England's best player up front yesterday. I thought he tried so, so hard. In, 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 and he was, on the, he was on the pitch for the best part of the game where France were dominating, really. Yeah. And I thought he was outstanding, actually. His work rate and everything was, 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 was as, as good as it could be. Would you switch your hookers? Well, he brought Jamie George off early yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I think probably with a view to not switching his hookers. I mean, I thought that was quite an early withdrawal and I think with a six-day turnaround, there was, you know, the, he probably felt the game's lost now. I need to get him off. I need to get him, you know, keep him fresh for next week. I mean, again, is Luke Cohen Dickey just ready to start? Yes, but oh, start off the back of a defeat going up to a team that are playing, again, when you're playing away from home, probably not. So I'd, I'd say Jamie George probably starting, but I get it wrong quite often. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to France. Um, I mean, just how good were they? I thought they were. They were I good. thought they were very good, but but they were very good in 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 a, in their in an unFrench kind of way. I mean, they they paid with the power that England talked about. They they were more forward based than 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 uh, the French kind of cliches and stereotypes suggest. Their 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 real strike um, players, Vakatawa and Teddy Toma didn't really influence the game as much as we thought they were going to. But then but then you can fl- throw that forward and say they beat England with well, something to spare. With something to spare. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a nice way the, to be, the, isn't the it? The concern for them is that Sean Edwards is is clearly a, a exceptional man and an exceptional coach. Although I could have told you that before this podcast. And he's not their fitness coach and the one thing he can't work on is their fitness. That's to do with the structure of what's going on in French rugby and yeah. it's pretty clear, actually, one, that their fitness was, was definitely on the way down from about 55, 60 minutes and the other thing I thought was interesting is I'm not sure their bench is as strong as it needs to be. Do you not like, Lawrence, the way the, the, um, the French uh, management staff has become it's become so focused on some of the great French players? So you've got Galtier as the head coach, Raphael Benez, uh, your old mate, as the, as the team manager. Uh, they, they brought in um, attack coach from Racing. Mm. Uh, they, they, I, I think they built that really well in a, in a, in a very French way. Sean Edwards is the, is the only non-Frenchman in that group. I, I know you just just feel that that's part that's part of the regeneration. It's yeah. part of having great great former players around them who are, have got track records in management and coaching. And- yeah, one hundred percent. I think that, that you know, listen, we're, we're we're quite rightly getting very carried away after one you know outstanding performance because it's it's been coming with France for a long long time. Well, we, but but having we've been waiting. We for are it. carried away, but having done what they did, 
cliche that, that Triumph gives you, fills you with confidence next time you go out, but they've done what they did on the back of the Sean Edwards effect. I mean, that is, that'll, the, the confidence will just be surging through their veins on the back of that. But 100%. They, they kind of feel they've got this sort of a, this magician who's just, who just you know, pushed a button and, and, and Well, it's a masterstroke from whoever decided to approach and reach out to Sean Edwards. I suspect Rafael Ibanez would have had something to do with it, having worked with him at Wasps. Um, and it begs the question, should the RFU be kicking themselves? And the answer is yes, because uh, when Rob Andrew was in post, uh, they had the opportunity to go and hire Gatland and Edwards, uh, who just come off the back of uh, three pretty successful seasons with Wasps, uh, and they chose not to, and Wales picked them both up. They then had the opportunity to sign Sean Edwards again. Sean Edwards phoned me up a few months ago and said, look, I'm th- this job for Wigan is, is not really going to be for me, and you know, I'm going to look for something else. I'd love that England job. You know, really? is, is there anything we can do to move that on a little bit? And I said, we're not, you know, I'm not, not so sure that can happen, but because uh, I'm not the coach of England. But you know, Sean Edwards was desperate to be working. But did you, you presumably fed that into the into the RFU. Sean Edwards was available when, when he was coaching at Wasps. There was a lot yeah. of speculation when I was there, and uh, and a lot of the other players were there. And Sean got up and just said, "Look, I just want to put this on record to you. There's been a lot of speculation about me working with the RFU. They've made me an offer of eighteen thousand pounds a year. I can't pick the team. Da da da. So it was like almost like a derisory offer. He chose to stay at Wasps. Then he went on to have an incredibly successful career. But you're saying that this time, a few it months wide, ago, he it rang was you widely up. known. That Sean Edwards was not going to be going to Wigan. Yeah, because he was talking to Wasps and Wales. He was talking to Wasps. Leicester Tigers were after him. There was a number of people that were after his services. He was there. He was available. The way I think they could have rejigged it is you say, Edwards, Sean Edwards can come in after the World Cup because that's when his contract went up to. He could come in as defence coach. You've already got Mitchell there, who uh, had never coached defence until he joined England. So Mitchell could shift over and become the forwards coach because Steve Borthwick was out. Then you've got people playing in their best positions again. But is the reason that, that, that they never went to Sean Edwards because... I, I can't imagine Jones and Sean Edwards working together. You got two two such such big alpha males there. Does or, or more to the point, would Eddie could Eddie handle someone like Sean who had such strong opinions and wouldn't sit on his hands when Eddie tells him to sit on his hands? I think they could have got. Or I think they could have got. And maybe I'm doing Eddie Jones. A no one tells Eddie m- what to m- do. Maybe there's a there's a different reason. I mean, Sean was quite close to becoming South Africa's defence coach many years ago when Eddie Jones was involved as well. So there's a little bit of history there that we don't know about, but I think it's good history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sean just decided not to do that and wanted to stay in the UK, and, and South Africa went on to win the World Cup that in 2007. So there's, there's there's lots of subplots, but all I'm just saying is that in my opinion, England not only now but actually for the last um, you know 12 years have missed a trick with Sean Edwards, and it's coming back to bite them in the backside, and it, and and that would have been a very painful bite yesterday because it had his imprint all over it, didn't it yesterday? So. Um, Lawrence, you love Sean Edwards. I do, you? yeah. You do love I, I him. I absolutely do. And the reason I love him is because he's, a, he's an outstanding human being and he speaks the language. I mean, I said, how's he going to get on? He doesn't speak the language. He, he does. He speaks, a, he speaks a language that rugby players understand, whether you're French, English, doesn't matter what, where you're from. Uh, and he's a winner. He's a serial winner. But he, is he, he's, he's, he's soft underneath, though, isn't he? No, that's not well, right. Well, the wasp, the wasp, the wasp. He, uh, he's, he's a scariest-looking uh, guy in rugby. I mean, yeah, but the wasp uh, supporters you, created this T-shirt with Sean Edwards' face on it, yeah. and it said "Smiling on the inside." He <laughs> had a face like a pit bull on the outside, <laughs> and it said <laughs> "Smiling on the inside," which was. But when I've spoken to him as a journalist, I've always been slightly 
trepidatious because you, you never really know what you're going to get yeah. from him. If you say something, if you if you ask him a foolish question, then then, then it'll kick you out of town. But on the times I've spoken to him, he's been warmer and more welcoming oh. than I than than I had expected. Listen, he's he he's a wonderful man and one and as I said a. A superstar, and he's just got that ability to, to to really bring out the best in his players. Right, while Slotty and I are true pros and caught the early train home this morning, some of the Times and Sunday Times contingent are having a more relaxed journey home. Stephen Jones and Stuart Barnes are still in Paris, so let's get their thoughts on the weekend's games. Thanks, Lawrence. I'm with Stuart Barnes uh, in Gare du Nord in Paris. We decided to say an action right. Barnes, he likes to go around Paris meeting all his French philosopher friends. Then he goes around to the art galleries and sculptors because he always likes to tell the great artists of Europe where they've gone wrong. On the subject of going wrong, it's been a little bit, it's a little bit like the morning after the night before here because England, very, very disappointing. And I'm sure you, you and Slotty and the guys will be talking about this, but Grand Slam gone already. And I thought really a, a kind of illusion of competence at the end, which was created and delivered completely by Johnny May. And in this morning's paper, uh, in the Times, Stuart, you've had enough of Owen Farrell as our leader. Yeah. Staying with the art uh, analogy while we're here, Eddie's canvas is torn and tattered at the moment. And one of Eddie's problems is that Eddie is obsessed with his own all-seeing knowledge of everything. And his idea of a tactician is someone who's very good at doing exactly what Eddie says. And that is, I'm afraid, Owen Farrell. And, you know, I said it in Friday's Times, and I don't know how many times we've said it, and people say you're banging the drum, but I'm only banging the drum because we keep seeing again and again and again when someone stops England playing their game, England simply fold. And you can't turn around and just say, well, you know, Owen Farrell's a scapegoat. He's the captain, for heaven's sake. And yes, a rugby team is full of leaders, but the captain is the one who has to be the central decision-maker. And when things go wrong, because Owen Farrell's such a warrior, he just gets wound up, Steve. He certainly got wound up yesterday, but... Um... Let's just go back to the, 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 the B word. The, the, the key word last week appeared to be brutal. Uh, Eddie Jones was, was saying it was going to be a brutal game, how brutal England were going to be. As it, as it was, they were more like pussycats in the end because the French pack clearly had the better of it. England were never set up to play in any brutal way because his selection wasn't good enough. And, I mean, did you find really that Eddie's, Eddie's words were a total embarrassment given what happened? Eddie uses word like a, a form of a game and it annoys me and it always has um, and some people think it's perfectly superfluous to what happens it's not this time he went too far again and as you say people like Bernard LaRue he actually was brutal brutal in a way that we all know tackling really hard running hard England they, they, they play word games and, and this time I think Fabian Gautier you don't hang coaches comments on your wall we're way beyond that but all of France knew what Jones had been saying and the squad would have known and it was almost as if Jones said you're so inexperienced you're so physically weak compared to us you've got no chance my god that is a motivation for a team well of course it is and even you know even a mild guy like Galtier would would certainly have used it um, 
anything good about England um, because they were fractured for the first hour, made mistakes, they, they didn't appear. George Ford was the only person who appeared to have any sense of direction out there. Anything worth saving with England? Any good, any good parts? Well, I think you made the point earlier, Steve. Um, it was uh, two moments of individual magic by Johnny May uh, that kept them in the game. And... He still is an outstanding player, so that's good news. Uh, the other thing I think that is quite good news is that uh, the injury to Anthony Watson made the back three look worse than they are. They still are a good uh, good unit. I felt for George Furbank. You know, Eddie Jones says I, I'm not interested in Premiership form. Um, I want to see what players do at the higher level. George has had half a year of brilliant rugby for Northampton. Eddie Jones thinks he's the new messiah, picks him for England, and the poor bloke sinks without trace. I still think Elliot Daly should go back to fullback because yesterday, if Daly's going to be in your team, this um, nonsense about you can't play a fullback was shown to be the stupidity it is because Entomac targeted him with high cross kicks. And France picked him off there. So he's either a fullback where you get the range of his vision or he's not going to be in your team at all. So I think Jones, there was a horrible day for England, but things happen that should clarify selection for Scotland if Eddie Jones is really thinking clearly. The Scottish game now becomes massive for both, both England and Scotland. I mean, Scotland may have flung away uh, at, uh, at the game when Stuart... Hog, poor lad, flung, uh, flung away the pass. But Murrayfield now suddenly becomes huge. Scotland certainly improved in some areas. Their scrum looked better. Is there a danger now of England going 0 for 2? <laughs> there is a danger. Now let's get away from results and talk about performance. If you look at the performance of Scotland in Dublin and you look at the performance of England until the last 15 minutes when, it must be said, France's inability to handle the last 20 haunts them, even though they won this time. France are hopeless with their bench and England utilised. England um, took advantage of it. I would say that Scotland's performance against Ireland was superior to England's against France. Scotland have home advantage and what are we going to say in the English press? We're going to talk about England's overwhelming power. We're just talking cliches at the moment. England have to get their team right. It is not going to just happen because, you said, uh, Sutherland gave them solidity in the scrum. England aren't just going to steamroll Scotland. It's going to be tough. I, I think part of it depends on how, how much Scotland think they can win. If they think they can yeah. win, they, they may well do. Yeah. We, I know we're in Paris now and uh, are making our way back, but we also went to Cardiff on uh, Saturday, uh, a really big win in points terms for Wales. Welsh scrum, big question mark without Thomas Francis, but how did you see it? I think you and I agree that Italy showed an improvement in some areas. They tried to do something. They tried to play quicker. They scrummage okay, but on the other hand, 42-0 tells its own story. It's five nations plus one. It's not six nations at the moment. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it very hard to assess uh, PVAC's first six nations game. What I would say, I would contrast Saturday and Sunday. I thought Tomas Williams at nine, he was under no pressure. So uh, let's not get carried away. But the speed of his pass is exceptional and the accuracy he made Dan Bigger who is an improved 10 he made Dan Bigger look like a natural fluent 10 which which he has to work at his game because every pass was in the right spot Josh Adams first try came because four passes were perfect it starts with the nine putting the 10 on the right line Com 
trust Tomas Williams with Ben Youngs. And I do not understand how England can get themselves in a situation where they have Ben Youngs and Hines, and Wales have got Williams, Gareth Davis, who I think should be coming off the bench against Ireland as an impact player with Williams starting, and they've got Reese Webb as a third choice. Three players Wales have got at nine who I think are better than anything England have at the moment. I, I agree with that, and you know, again, uh, with great respect to Willie Hines, he, no one showed, showed uh, no one can tell me that he's a real a guy who's going to who's going to change international matches. With, with, so he's good, a sticking good, tape. Steve. He, he is. Good, good luck for him but you know a lot of the, a lot of the planning for this is now looking so bad um, just going back to, going back to Wales where do you think they're going to be strong they've certainly got more depth than they've had for years I'd say I tell you what I do like I like the Welsh back row yeah. I like Wainwright seems to be coming through at a, a rate of knots and I think it's freeing Justin Tipperick who as you know Steve I've always been a, a, yeah. a major fan of Tipperick yeah. when Maybe in the early days, Warren thought he was a little bit of a sort of a sevens touch player. I've always thought he was outstanding. I don't think Falatau was at his best, but no one would expect him to be. But he did certain things, and you're thinking he'll get better and better. So I, I think the Welsh... Up front, there's a, I think there's a question mark about their front row, but I think their back five, second row and back row, are very good. I think Williams and Bigger looked a seriously good half-back partnership, not because of anything sort of psychedelic, but they just did the basics brilliantly. OK, well, I think that's about the picture from Garden Law this morning, Lawrence. You, as a Spurs fan, would have noted that they beat Manchester City 2-0. I know you're a big Spurs fan and also a, a, I think you're a season ticket holder at Saracens as well. Um, so not the greatest. Uh, be interested to see what you've got to say, guys. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Six Nations is kicked off. Not a classic weekend, but certainly a thousand and one things to talk about. And over to you. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. 
Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. So the opening fixture of the Six Nations weekend saw Wales host Italy. And of course, it was an emphatic win for the home side, 42-0. And a, a great start under Wales. New head coach, Wayne Pivak. Am I saying that correctly, Owen? Is you, it? Yeah, you, you, you're good you are. You've done your homework. But what do we learn? I mean, I, th- I think just from, you know, I speak to a lot of friends in Wales, and I do have a few, um, who talk about, you know, the way that... No one believes that. Warren Gatland's style of rugby and the way that, you know, what he delivered. He delivered results, success, three grand slams, and a pretty pretty amazing record, etc., etc. But there's a feeling with Pivak that, that, that there's a sort of a, a slight evolution, a slight change in... In playing style, maybe a little bit more instinctive, a little bit more off the cuff, a little bit more going back to Wales's roots in, mm. in, in rugby, really. And did you see any of that? I mean, albeit against Italy. I thought it was a pretty stodgy game, actually. I don't think we seen, saw enough of it because I don't think Wales got enough possession, especially in the second half. Italy seemed to have the ball all the time and Wales would get it every now and again and just about score a try. I mean, they they they, they, they got a, a a healthy enough start, plenty to build on, all that sort of stuff that you, yeah. you want in, in the first round. But uh, It's very hard, isn't it, against Italy, who, I mean, my word, that's 23 matches now without a win for Italy in the Six Nations. Our listeners and many people around the world will be saying, is it time for them to be replaced? Yes. I mean, that, that's the elephant in the room, in the Six Nations room, if we can... Yeah put lots of stereotypes and cliches well would, would, would Georgia be any better I mean they, they look devoid of ideas they look clueless but you know it's pretty fair to say I think Wales would have probably pumped Georgia as well if it, if, if it had been them but you know, well, as I don't know, talk of South Africa and other other nations. You know, the 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 world's changing. I I, I think that it's going to change very quickly. Mm-hmm. But but uh, I I I don't know. Five yeah. years time, we're going to be sitting here having the same conversation. Well, let, well, I don't let, think so. Yeah, let's let, let's not open that can of worms because that's exactly what it is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, another can. Will they change anything? Do you think for the Ireland game? They've. I mean, the George North Centre experiment did seem to work, but I mean, pretty much anything would work. I mean. You know, Slotty, you could have played against uh, against Italy. Oh, you say the sweetest <laughs> thing sometimes. Well, you can return I've the. Been compl- waiting for you to say something nice well, about my rugby for years. Well, I have to return the compliment some way, shape or form, <laughs> don't I? Really, but yeah, yeah, I might come out of retirement. But, but Josh you Adams said you wouldn't. Josh Adams clearly, you know, scoring a hat trick. He we knew was a special player. Um, well, the question about George North is uh, is um, did Nick Tompkins' performance when he, he came on in the second half was yes. was he so good that they go oh you you were so good you deserve selection or as you're, you're sort of suggesting it. Was Italy? Italy aren't very good. If you play, if you can't play well against Italy, then you, you you shouldn't be anywhere near the game anyway. Right. Let's move on to Ireland against Scotland, which of course finished successfully for Ireland, the host nation, nineteen twelve, and it's a winning start for for Andy Farrell. But but was it convincing? Scotland could have, maybe should have got a result if it wasn't for some uh, silly errors. Uh, and I'm delighted that we're joined by Alistair Reid. Alistair, your first impressions of uh, of well, perhaps the winning start for for Andy Farrell and. And where it went wrong for Scotland? Well, first impression, uh, you know, they, they did score more points than Scotland, so it's, you know, it, it's got to be a good start. The you know, Farrell has talked about evolving the game and uh, you know making it more open, getting away from uh, Schmidt ball, I suppose. Um, we didn't see an awful lot of that. I, 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 it was a lovely move to get the try, um, but you know, beyond that, Ireland did very little. Um, 
Scotland did quite a lot, but uh, that didn't include finishing. They, they were absolutely terrible in that department. And, uh, you know, Stuart Hogg, he'll have nightmares about that, dropping the ball over the line for years. But he kind of summed up the day for Scotland, I think. They, they had all sorts of uh, other opportunities. Um, I saw a stat that said Scotland got into the Irish 22 11 times and turned the ball over eight of them. Ireland got into Scottish 22 six times and came out with points on three of those occasions and that just kind of summed up the two teams I think. I didn't see every minute of the game, I did see Hogg's howler over the line and as you say he'll be having nightmares about that for a while but Johnny Sexton, uh, Owen, Andy Farrell claims he was very happy with Ireland's performance and, and hailed Johnny Sexton as outstanding after the captain had claimed all of Ireland's points. I mean well, I mean, what, what do you make of Ireland and, and, and the way that they stepped out in their first game under Farrell? Mm. It's, one, it's one of those ones where you, you, you get a win first time out and, and, and well, so the, the cliche is well, we've got a W next to our name, so that's, uh, um, so that's good. Uh, it, it wasn't a great performance. Uh, Farrell's two big selections were Sexton, not that he had a lot of uh, options there, but, but he, he put, picked, picked the, old, the old duo at, uh, at nine and ten, didn't he, um, with Murray and, and Sexton. And a better team might have exposed them a bit more. I, I thought it was disappointing that Scotland um, were doing, uh, showing England the way so firmly and how to um, create chances and, and stuff them up at every possible opportunity. Both teams get another go straight away at home so, yeah, that's uh, at the weekend, which is you know a good thing. Ireland obviously play play Wales and, and, and Scotland play England respectively. Alistair, if I can go to you, um, obviously England off the back of a defeat in Paris, Scotland off the back of that defeat in Dublin. I must remind myself and, and all our listeners that the Calcutta Cup currently resides in Scotland. So uh, England uh, are going up there with, with, with a point to prove, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think it's actually bolted down now. It's the, it's the <laughs> Cup of Rugby, this one. Yeah, they, 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 England, I think, are, will, uh, will have to bounce back, will be endeavour to bounce back after after that defeat. Scotland had, a, I think, more frustration than anything. But I think they they, they come out come back from Dublin feeling feeling quite quite confident. Mm. I mean, it was you know I, I know in all the after match media stuff, you almost have to remind one or two players that they lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> the fear uh, there was a fear that uh, a huge bouncing loop was about to happen, voting falling short, all of that kind of thing. But, Quite a lot of relief in, in Scottish camp that that just didn't happen. I don't know if they've shown quite enough really to 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 to, to, to build upon. Um, well, they've, I'm sorry, they've shown something to build on, but I don't know. If, I think they would still have to have to raise the game quite a bit, and especially the finishing to um, to to get anything out of England this this weekend. But my view is, is that the Scottish defeat was a a far better defeat to be sitting on than, than England. I think I think England or, or certainly England fans will be wondering, you know, where do they go now? What 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 went wrong? And whereas, as you say, Alistair, for, for those Scottish boys, they they, they uh, though they lost, they can they can slightly sort of weirdly feel empowered by it. Yeah, I think so. I, I, as I said, I, th- I think Scotland will look at that. Gregor Townsend will look at that and say, right, there's something to build on there. Whereas Eddie Jones will look at his team and, and say there's something to repair there. I think that's probably the difference between... Oh, he just summed that up brilliantly. Oh. Reedy, did you write that down? Did you just make that up on, no, the, on the hoof? No, but I will. I, I, well, of course I did. Because you're going to read under my name in the Times tomorrow. No, 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 it'll be under my name in the Times tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gents, three, three, uh, three other stories that um, in rugby stories that, that I want to discuss before we uh, we part company. England, Italy, and Ireland all won on the opening weekend of the women's Six Nations, which again, quite rightly, is getting you know seems to be gathering even more momentum. A really, really good performance by by England. Emily Scarrett going over again. Uh, the other one, Owen Chris Robshaw. I saw announced he's leaving Harlequins at the end of the season. Did he actually mention the word retirement in the statement? I couldn't. Couldn't see that he was. Reti- he didn't actually write the word retirement. So there's this sort of cloud of mystery as to whether he's retiring from rugby uh, or he's just announced that he's leaving Harlequins. And I'm is that a squad turnover. You know, they well, my my more more fascinating question is it, well, he's definitely leaving Harlequins. It's whether you know he's clearly going somewhere else afterwards. So uh, TBC, as they say, but you've interpreted that um, far better than I had. I thought I thought that was um, basically Quinn saying we can't keep you on the big bucks that you were on before, and him going well. Fair enough, I'm done. But you think he might be on a big contract in Japan or something? Well, I'm thinking maybe Japan or probably more likely destination would be the US. And uh, Oh, brilliant, yes. You know, so, yeah. some of, you know, you've got a lot of players going out to uh, Bastaros there. And, uh, Is he going to play NFL with uh, Christian Wade? <laughs> no, I think after the battering that poor old Chris Robshaw's taken, I think uh, USA rugby would be the, the way forward. And again, the, the, the final story, Quinn's thrash Exeter at Sandy Park to reach the Premiership Rugby Cup final. Now, we knew that was going to happen anyway because, uh, and the only reason that that's actually in here is because Mike's a Quinns fan. Mike, that's <laughs> Mike the producer, by the, the way. Because the rest of the rugby world are thinking, yeah. why have they even mentioned the Premiership On a Six rugby? Nations weekend, I'm surprised we didn't lead with the uh, Premiership Rugby Cup semi-final <laughs> result. Exactly. Oh, apparently, Don Brandt had a blinder, Lawrence. He, he did have a... Uh, Alex Don Brandt scored two tries, did he? Um, against Exeter's academy. Was it a statement performance? I mean, come, come get me, Eddie. Well, listen, Sandy Park and Exeter are obviously looking forward to a to a Heineken Champions Cup quarter-final. So, Quinns, I saw Danny Kerr in the week at, a, at an event, and uh, he said to me, I'm playing for, uh, for, for Quinns at the week. I said, you must be on holiday now. You're not required by Eddie Jones. He said, no, I'm playing in the Prem Cup semi-final. So, for Quinns, it was a must-win game, which they won. And for Exeter, I'm not sure that they were... Uh, I think they had their mind on other affairs. Talking of Danny Kerr, I, I, it, it would seem a sort of a slightly strange step for someone who hasn't played for England for um, over, a, over a year now, but I, I, I put him in the side for Scotland. England had no had no change at nine. They had they had no game changers in that position. <clears throat> Someone with something different. We've Listen, been going through that, but I just think Danny Kerr would be yeah. the best nine to bring in now. Well, certainly a lot of the, I mean, there'd be a lot of criticism coming Ben Youngs' way. But equally, you could argue if the if the ruck and the breakdown don't go well for England, it's it's a hard job for Ben Youngs. Um, I'm going to move on to the god or goddess of the week. I don't think any of you will be surprised by my god of the week, so uh, I don't need to go first, but uh, uh, his name is Sean Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just love him so much. That's great. Of course I love him. Yeah. Was he... I'll, I'll always go for the underdog, guys, eh? Uh, Reedy, hello. 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 Hi, Who, who's, Reedy, your, who's your god Reedy, or goddess Reedy, of the week? Reedy, who's your god? Uh, god of the week. Uh, whoever put... Uh, Rory Sutherland back together again. Four years out without international rugby. He might play club rugby for a couple of years, but uh, it was just you know, a great redemption story. Uh, he had serious irritated groin problems back in 2016 after he got to the Cats. Seemed to be heading for you know journeyman career, retirement, whatever, but he had a great performance in the scrum for some. good, wasn't he? Ireland, yeah, yeah. And he's a great lad. He's just down to earth. Um, he was at primary school with uh, the same primary school at the same time as uh, Stuart Hogg, um, but he didn't teach him how to how to score tries. <laughs> the only drawback there. 
Oh well, maybe Hoggy will uh, will will know know how to do that by next week, by this coming weekend. Uh, right, my god, god or goddess of the week is a is a goddess. Uh, the 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 women's Six Nations um, is is too heavily uh, influenced by one one contest, one fixture, which is Eng- England France, and um, uh, England just pipped that at the weekend. Uh, Emily Scarrett scored the winning try, but, uh, and so Emily Scarrett is, uh, I think. Which, deservedly the goddess of the week uh well done england i think england will get a grand slam in this six nations and it will be the women rather than the men my thanks to owen slot stephen jones Stuart barnes and alistair reed there'll be a special six nations edition of the ruck on thursday when owen sits down with former ireland captain brian o'driscoll in the first of a new series how to win a grand slam make sure you never miss an episode subscribe now via acast iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. 